So moving on to what primary sources the Library of Congress has that you can use to discuss these schools in the classroom. Um, this first image that you're going to see is the Cadentown Rosenwald School located in Lexington, Kentucky. Um, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about the collection that it's from. It's from the Historic American Building Survey, the Historic American Engineering Record of the Habs Hair Collection. Um, this is a part of the Library of Congress's Prints and Photographs Division. And these are um, images that were taken sometime after 1933 to document achievements in architecture, engineering, and design in the U.S. Um, so these are going to be black and white images that are going to be found in sets. Um, so when you actually pull up the page on the Cadentown Rosenwald School, you'll search it by the keyword Cadentown Rosenwald, and you're going to find um, black and white images in one set. There's going to be 14 images in that set, and then you're going to find drawings of the school, scale drawings and floor plans as well. So there's going to be three drawings um, there as well for you to, to look at. So here's just one of the images. This is the front of the school. Um, and like I said, this um, was taken sometime after 1933. We don't know exactly when this image was taken, but the school was actually constructed in 1922. So that's kind of important to keep in mind because obviously um, this school has actually fallen into some sort of um, um, neglect or something like that. Um, since it was actually constructed, you can see it's kind of got some vegetation growing on the front of it and the, the windows have been boarded up. But students can still get a feel for the building materials that are used, the construction methods that were used, and see that it was more modern than the buildings that were there before. Um, the next image we're going to look at is the side elevation of the Cadentown Rosenwald School. And what you might want students to look at here is, although the windows have been boarded up, um, something that was really a signature of Rosenwald schools were the bays of windows that they had running along the sides of the buildings. Um, and, and you might have asked questions like, how did building plans for Rosenwald schools use natural light? Usually it was the placement of the school on the property um, or the bays of windows. And that's something that even with the, the windows being boarded up, um, just the sheer number of windows, which they can see from this image, um, is a way that they use natural light. And that's one reason I like this image. This is the interior of the school, but they can see here how the natural light really is, stre is streaming in. And if those side windows weren't boarded up, they would really be able to see that even better because that whole area would just be flooded with light there. Here's one of the drawings from the Habs Hair Collection. I like this one because it shows the floor plan um, of the school there. And um, Rosenwald schools all came in a one teacher type building plan to a seven teacher type building plan. So anywhere from a one room to a seven room school. And this was a one room schoolhouse, um, as we can see from the floor plan there. Um, so you might could ask students question about the different types of building plans that were available. And here's another scale drawing um, from the Habs Hair Collection. In this case, since the photographs don't really offer students as much information about how modern the schools were because the building has started um, to, to be Maybe it's not in as pristine condition as it was when it was first constructed. The drawings actually offer more pure examples of style and form than the photographs do in this particular case. So I actually like the drawings for that in this case. Um, 
The next image we see is a newspaper article. Um, it's the Broad Axe is the name of the newspaper. It's an African-American newspaper from Salt Lake City, Utah. Uh, this is an article from August 1922 that talks about advancements in African-American education. Um, and it references the work that Julius Rosenwald is doing in the South. And it talks about Re uh, Rosenwald schools as modern rural schools for Negroes. So questions you might ask students after having them looking at having them look at images of the Rosenwald School and the drawings and the floor plans, are they modern schools? Are, were they really modern um, schools, particularly in the rural areas of the South um, for African Americans? Um, and here's a zoomed in view of that quote. And so they can get on the, the Library of Congress website, they can go to the Chronicling America collection, and they can actually play around with these newspapers and look these things up for themselves, zoom in on uh, the newspapers themselves. And here's another image. So when I talk about comparing the Rosenwald schools with um, earlier schoolhouses, this is a rural early 20th century schoolhouse from the Library of Congress website. This one was actually located in Georgia. Um, and so you could have students compare this early 20th century rural schoolhouse to a Rosenwald school and ask them questions about whether or not you know, compare and contrast the two, ask them whether or not the Rosenwald schools really were modern. I mean, it's kind of hard for them to wrap their heads around maybe because the schools they're in today have electricity and running water and computer labs, but when they look and note the crude building materials and the peered foundation, um, the insufficient amount of windows for natural light, no windows on the front facade, um, no paint on the exterior, things like that, um, and have them really, you know, consider whether or not Rosenwald schools were an advancement for these communities, um, they can answer questions like that based on these primary sources. And then finally, for more information about Rosenwald schools, um, students can get on the Fisk University Rosenwald Fund card file database. And this is a really great resource where students can actually search um, Rosenwald schools by county and state. Unfortunately, they don't have it where you can look up exact cities and addresses and things like that, but they can look up by county and by state. And so this is the Antioch School in Crockett County, Tennessee, as an example. And it does give you information such as what building plan was used. So this, again, is a one-teacher type school. Um, it tells you what year it was constructed in. And what I really love is it tells you the funding sources. So when we talk about the private part private-public partnerships that these schools were um, constructed by. It tells you the Rosenwald Fund gave $400, the public, as in the school system, gave $600, and the Negroes, or the African-American community, gave $1,075. So you could have students do additional research and maybe research uh, Rosenwald schools in their own county or re research the Rosenwald schools across the state. So that this is just an excellent resource for something like that. Kara? Thank you, Katie. Um, of course, um, she's working on putting all this together in a lesson plan for us that will be available on our Teaching with Primary Sources Across Tennessee website. Um, so be looking for that. Of course, be looking, we'll make an announcement um, both on our Facebook page um, and in one of our upcoming uh, monthly newsletters when that is available. So be looking for it. 
Um, some other resources that you might look at um, when you are teaching this era, um, there is an abundance of those, um, you know, just like there's an abundance of primary sources. And we have been working um, to make many of those available on our website and have created quite a few new ones um, in the last um, few months. So um, you can find all those, of course, um, at our website, um, www.mtsu.edu slash TPS. Uh, for those of you who haven't visited recently, you'll note that um, we do have a little bit of a different look. Uh, we are uh, kind of freshening up our site a little bit. Um, if you are interested in using any of the images or primary sources that you have seen in today's webcast, um, we have created an image index that's available here under our What's New column. Um, that's available for you in a PDF um, where you can actually um, be able to download that, access all those primary sources linked to the bibliographic pages so that you can use those with your students. Um, so keep that in mind as something that's available. Now, um, something else you'll note here is that we have a Progressive Era Links Guide. Uh, and I am going to go ahead and open this. Um, this is a tool that we created recently um, for a, a full day workshop that we did on the Progressive Era, um, where we pulled together um, just some highlights, um, highlighted some collections from the library's website. This is by no means all of the collections that contain primary sources relevant to this period, but it is um, a good sampling, so a good place to get started when you're doing your searching. Um, of course, um, Katie mentioned that Chronicling America, the historic newspaper collection that's referenced here. Um, I talked a little about the National Child Labor Committee collection. Um, you can link to that from here as well. Um, the Edison Films is available. Um, you can link through that. Um, we've also noted other educational resources, um, such as presentations, including The Dream of Flight, looking at the Wright brothers, um, some sources that look at presidential elections and the presidents during the time period, um, primary source sets, including one on women's suffrage, um, themed resource sections from the Library of Congress teachers page, um, including one for labor, immigration, nature, and environment. Um, so those are all great places to go to look for educational materials that are already put together for you. Um, we even included a link for a short film. Um, this one is one of the hidden treasures um, that you can find on the Library of Congress site. Another good short film you can show to your students. It's just a couple minutes in length. Um, that looks at the story of a soldier during World War I that is actually saved by a copy of Rudard Kipling's Kim that he had in his pocket. Um, so it's a good um, short film. It will actually, um, you'll see the actual book, um, have one of the curators from the Library of Congress tell you a little bit about um, the story of what happened there. And then, of course, you'll find links to other sources, uh, resources that are on um, our website, um, including a primary source set for women's suffrage, um, one for um, pro the progressive era. Um, we have a newsletter that um, includes several different lesson ideas um, that you could incorporate um, looking at the, time, the progressive era time period. Um, we have four different lesson plans, including one on child labor. Um, one that uses the three little pigs um, as a reference point for other events that were taking place. Um, one on women's suffrage and one on the leadership and impact of Booker T. Washington. Um, so those are all available for you on our website. I do encourage you to look at those. Um, and if you have any questions, do feel free 
to contact, um, contact myself um, or one of my colleagues. Um, you'll also note um, now on our website that um, you can link directly to our Facebook page. Um, and this is a place where we encourage you um, to come to us with questions, suggestions, um, share your feedback, share what is working um, in your classroom with primary sources that you're using, what is your student's experience using these resources that are available from the Library of Congress.